Welcome to Storytime with Kurt. In each episode, I'd like you to sit back, relax, and just chill out while I read Tom Swift and His Motorcycle by Victor Appleton. Previously on Tom Swift and His Motorcycle, Chapter 9, we had somebody go in the workshop of the Swifts, and it appeared that they stole something the thoughts are maybe the plans for the turbine engine. So Tom chased him up to a lake, and the dude got away with a motorboat. And Tom didn't have anything like that to chase him with, so he had to turn back and go home. Chapter 10. Off to Albany. Did you catch him, Tom? Asked Mr. Swift eagerly when his son returned. But the inventor needn't but a glance at the lad's despondent face to have his question answered without words. Never mind, he said. There's not much harm done, fortunately. Did he get anything? Any of your plans or models, Dad? No, not as far as I can discover. My papers in the shop were not disturbed, but it looks as if the turbine model had been moved. The only thing missing seems to be a sheet of unimportant calculations. Luckily, I had my most valuable drawings in the safe, in the house. Yet, that man seemed to be putting papers in his pocket, Dad. Maybe he put some copies of some of your drawings. Well, that's possible, Tom, and I admit it worries me. I can't imagine who that man is unless... Why, he's one of the three men I saw in Mansburg in the restaurant, said Tom eagerly. Two of them tried to get information here, and now the third one comes. He got away in a motorboat, and Tom told how the fugitive escaped. Mr. Swift looked worried. It was not the first time attempts had been made to steal his inventions. But on this occasion, a desperate and well-organized plan appeared to be on foot. What do you think they're up to, Dad? asked Tom. Oh, I think they're trying to get a hold of my turbine motor, Tom. You know, I told you that the financiers were disappointed in the turbine motor. They bought it off of another inventor. It doesn't work. To get back the money they spent in building an expensive plant, they must have a motor that is successful. Hence, their efforts to get control of mine. I don't know whether I told you or not, but some time ago I refused a very good offer for certain rights in my invention. I knew it was worth more. The offer came through Smeek and Catch, the lawyers. And when I refused it, they seemed much disappointed. I think now that this same firm and the financiers who have employed them are trying by all means in their power to get possession of my ideas, if not the invention and model itself. Well, what can you do, Dad? Well, I must think. I certainly must take some means to protect myself. I've had trouble before, but never any like this. I did not think those men would be so unscrupulous. Do you know their names? No, only from that telegraph we found, or telegram we found, the one where the first stranger dropped it. One of them must be Anson Morse. Who the others are? I don't know. But now I was, must make some plans to foil these sharpers. That's an odd turn of phrase, huh? Foil these sharpers. I mean, I get the general feel of it, but that's just kind of odd turn of phrase. I may have to call on you for help, Tom. And I'll be ready any time you call on me, Dad, responded Tom, drawing himself up. Can I do anything for you right away? No, I must think out a plan. Then I'm going to change my motorcycle a bit. I'll put some more improvements on it. And I will write some letters to my lawyers in Washington and ask their advice. It took Tom the remainder of that day and part of the next to arrange the gasoline and spark control of his machine to his satisfaction. He had to make two small levers and some connecting rods. 
This he did in his own particular machine shop, which was fitted up with a lathe and other apparatus. The lathe was run by power coming from a small engine, which was operated by an engineer, an elderly man to whom Mr. Swift had given employment for many years. He was Garrett Jackson, and he kept so close to his engine and boiler room that he was seldom seen outside of it except when the day's work was done. One afternoon, a few days after the unsuccessful chase after the fugitive had taken place, Tom went out for a spin on his motorcycle. He found that the machine worked much better and was easier to control. He rode about 15 miles away from home and then returned. As he entered the yard, he saw, standing on the drive, a ramshackle old wagon drawn by a big mule, which seemed at the ta time, Tom observed him, to be asleep. "'I'll wager that's Boomerang,' said Tom aloud, and the mule opened his eyes, wiggled its ears, and started forward. "'Whoa, Boomerang!' exclaimed a voice, and Eradicate Samson hurried around the corner of the house. "'That's just like you,' said the man, "'moving when you're not supposed to.' And then he caught sight of Tom. He exclaimed, "'Why, if it isn't that young Mr. Swift!' "'Good Lord, that livery brake you done fixed on my wagon suddenly is good. "'I can go down the steepest hill without roping the wheel.' "'Glad of it,' replied Tom. "'Did you come to do some work?' "'Yes, sir, I did. "'I found I had some time to spare, and I think there might be some whitewashing I could do. "'You see, I only live about two miles from here.' "'Well, I guess you can do a few jobs,' said Tom. "'Wait here.' He hunted up his father and obtained permission to set Eradicate at work cleaning out a chicken house and whitewashing it. The man was soon at work. A little later, Tom Passing saw him put the whitewash on, the th on thick. Eradicate stopped at the sight of Tom and made some curious motions. Well, what's the matter, Brad? Rad? Wow, I'm flipping over those words tonight. What's the matter, Rad? asked the young inventor. Well, the whitewash is... It persists in running down the brush handle and into my sleeve. I'm soaking wet from it now, and I have to stop every once in a while because my sleeve gets full. Tom saw what the trouble was. The white fluid did run down the long brush handle in a small rivulet. Tom had once seen a little rubber device on a window cleaning brush that worked pretty well, and he decided to try it for Radicate. Wait a minute, Tom advised. I think I can stop that for you. The man was very willing to take a rest, but it didn't last for long, for Tom was soon back at the chicken coop. He had a small rubber disc with a hole in the center, the size of the brush handle. Slipping the disc over the wood, he pushed it about halfway along, and then, handing the brush back to the man, told him to try it that way. Did you just put a charm on my brush? asked Eradicate somewhat doubtfully. Yeah, some sort of a charm. Try it now. The man dipped his brush in the pail of whitewash and then began to spread the disinfectant on the sides of the coop near the top. The surplus fluid started to run down the handle, but meeting that piece of rubber came no further and dripped off on the ground. It did not run down the sleeve of Eradicate. Well, that suddenly works fine now, cried the man. You sure are a pert gentleman, all right. Now I can work without stopping and emptying my sleeve all the time. I'm very obliged to you. You're welcome, I'm sure, replied Tom. I think someday I'll invent a machine for whitewashing and then... Oh, don't do that. That and making dirt disappear is my only profession. Don't go ma inventing no machine, Mr. Swift. All right, I'll wait until you get rich. Ah, <laughs> uh, then you're going to be waiting a powerful long time, chuckled Eradicate, and he went on with his whitewashing. Tom went into the house. 
He found his father busy with some papers at his desk. Ah, it's you, is it, Tom? Asked the inventor, looking up. I was just wishing you would come in. What for, Dad? Well, I've got quite an important mission for you. I want you to go on a journey. A journey? Where? To Albany. You see, I've been thinking over matters, and I've been in correspondence with my lawyers in regard to my turbine motor. I must take measures to protect myself. You know, I've not yet taken out a complete patent on the machine. I've not done so because I didn't want to put any, I didn't want to put my model on the exhibition in Washington. I was afraid some of those unscrupulous men would take advantage of me. Another point was that I had not perfected a certain device that goes on the motor. That objection is now removed, and I'm ready to send my model to Washington and take out the complete patent. But I thought you said you wanted me to go to Albany. So I do. I'll explain. I've just had a letter from Reed and Crawford, my Washington attorneys. Mr. Crawford, the junior member of the firm, will be in Albany this week on some law business. He agrees to receive my model and some papers there and take them back to Washington with him. In this way, they'll be well protected. You see, I have to be on my guard, and if I send the model to Albany instead of the national capital, I may throw the plotters off the track, for I feel that they are watching every move I make. As soon as you or I should start for Washington, they would be on our trail. But you can go to Albany unsuspected. Mr. Crawford will wait for you there. I want you to start day after tomorrow. All right, Dad, I can start now if you say so. No, there's no special need for haste. I have some matters to arrange. You might go to the station and inquire about trains to the state capitol. Am I going by train? Certainly. How else could you go? There was a look of excitement in Tom's eyes. He had a sudden idea. Dad, he exclaimed, why couldn't I go on my motorcycle? Your motorcycle? Yes, I could easily make the trip on it in one day. The roads are good and I would enjoy it. I can carry the model back on uh, I can carry the model back of me on the saddle. Uh boy, that's clunky. I think he means I can carry the model in back of me on the saddle. It's not very large. Well, said Mr. Swift slowly, for the idea was a new one to him. I suppose that part would be all right. But you've not mu had much experience riding the motorcycle. Besides, you don't know the roads. I can inquire. Will you let me go, Dad? Mr. Swift appeared to hesitate. It'll be fine, went on Tom. <laughs> I would enjoy the trip, and there's another thing. If we want to keep this matter secret, the best plan would be to let me go on my machine. If those men are on the watch, they will not think that I have the model. They'll just think that I'm going for a pleasure jaunt. Well, there is something in that, admitted Mr. Swift, and Tom, seeing that his father was favorably inclined, renewed his arguments until the inventor finally agreed. It'll be a great trip, exclaimed Tom. I'll go all, all over my machine now to see that it's in good shape. You get your papers and model ready, Dad, and I'll take them into Albany for you. The motorcycle will come in handy. But had Tom only known the dangers ahead of him and the risks he was to run, he would not have whistled so lightheartedly as he went over every nut and bolt on his machine. Two days later, the valuable model, having been made into a convenient package and wrapped in waterproof paper, was fastened back of the saddle on the motorcycle. Tom carefully pinned in an inside pocket the papers which were to be handed to Mr. Crawford. 
he was to meet the lawyer at a hotel in Albany. Now, take care of yourself, Tom, cautioned his father as he bade him goodbye. Don't try to make speed as there's no special rush. And above all, don't lose anything. I'll not, Dad. And with a wave of his hand to Mr. Swift and the housekeeper, who stood in the door to see him off, Tom jumped into the saddle, started the machine, and then, after sufficient momentum had been attained, he turned on the gasoline and set the spark lever. With rattles and bangs, which were quickly subdued by the muffler, the machine gathered speed. Tom was off for Albany. End of chapter 10. Thank you.